Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Is he talking trash? No, it's just Scott being Scott. It's time for Inez Says. Hey there, hope you're having a great day, a great weekend. Thank you for uh, tuning in to the Inez Says podcast. Appreciate that very much. You can find the podcast there on Spotify, WDBO.com, and the WDBO app, pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts. All right, so for the last few weeks, I had read some articles, I had read some headlines about President Trump's legal team swinging and missing on most of these you know, legal challenges, challenging the election results in these battleground states, and I must admit, I got lazy. I got lazy because there is a part of me that just wants the stench of this year's election over with. Like, let's just move on here. There's a part of me that just wants to get on with the next four years under Joe Biden so we can get him over with and hopefully, hopefully move on to much more of a brighter future. But as many of you know, reading a person's account, a media person's account of what happened and actually watching it play out for yourself, that could be two totally different things. And it was on Wednesday night. And I'll explain what I did Wednesday night coming up. But look, I've seen the headlines about Team Trump and how Rudy Giuliani is, quote, unhinged, right? And and the narrative that they want you to believe is that Rudy is like an old senile fool. He's way out of his league. He's out of practice. That's the narrative that the media would like you to believe. So I wanted to see this for myself. So I sat down on Wednesday night for over three hours and watched Rudy and his team, along with eyewitnesses, address the House Oversight Committee in the state of Michigan about voting irregularities on election night. I I wanted to see it from my own eyes because the media keeps telling me that this is a a, a fishing expedition gone bad. I saw another headline this morning out of Detroit. Giuliani continues to peddle baseless election conspiracies, unproven claims of election fraud. So I sat there on Wednesday night and and I watched, and I got to tell you what I saw and heard, what I saw and heard on Wednesday night there in Michigan was the opposite of what the media has been telling me over the last couple of weeks about these challenges. And I should have known better, right? Like I should have known better. Then again, I'm old school. Like I I grew up trusting media, trusting newspapers, or grew up basically my career in the fourth estate, but shame on me for thinking that the fourth estate is still credible. And by the way, It takes some digging to even see anything about the Trump legal team's activity because many media outlets just flat out are not covering it. This should be the biggest story in America today, and very few are covering it. And the few that are covering the voter irregularity story are basically kind of sweeping it under the rug and cheerleading for Biden and calling Rudy Giuliani the weird great uncle, right? So what I want to do in today's pod is to play some of the eyewitness testimony. I wish I could play them in their entirety. I'll play a lot of it. I'm going to play a huge chunk of their testimony to what these people, these witnesses on Wednesday night in Michigan, who, by the way, all signed affidavits to their stories. So if they're proven not true, they go to the big house. They're in the clink. 
But these are people who are telling their stories about what they saw at the TCF Center in Detroit, Michigan on election night. And again, keep in mind, all these witnesses, according to Giuliani, hundreds more gave their stories. All have affidavits. So again, if not true, they're, they're going to the big house. Let's start with a person by the name of Hema. And I know her last name. I can't pronounce her last name. So for the record, her name is Hema. She went before the Michigan House Oversight Committee, alleged witness fraud during the election as a representative observer of the Michigan GOP. So here's part of her testimony now. I was standing behind the tabulator machines and I could tell right away that most of those people did not know what to do when a ballot gets jammed. And I had to literally stand behind them and say, you need to discard when a when a ballot gets uh, jammed. And uh, just like the previous witness, what she was saying, yes, that those tabulators were getting jammed at least, like she said, three or four times an hour. And if they knew what to do when there is an error, they were doing it right. They're, they're, I mean, to explain to the other person who was asking, when you take the jammed ballot out, you have an option to discard the number. There is a column that says, you know, that's actually tabulating. That's incrementally tabulating every time a ballot gets scanned. So when a ballot gets jammed, you have an option to go and say discard. Then it makes it zero. But you also have an option to continue. So what happens is when you take those jammed ballot, I mean, one jammed ballot plus the rest of the ones that got tabulated and put them through again, like feed them, if you say continue tabulating, it will add to that 24 or 25 area where it got jammed, and then again rescan this entire thing. Like she said, the number only has to be 50. There were machines, at least not the machines I was guarding, I was behind tabulator number five and six, and because I was on top of them, telling them every single time, stepping forward and saying you didn't make it zero, those machines were doing okay, but I did come across a couple of other machines where the numbers were 300, 400, it's not supposed to be. But I could clearly tell that some of those people didn't know how to discard and start again. So was there an overcount? Yes. Was it off by thousands? I can't tell. I only can tell what I saw. And I witnessed that some people didn't know what to do when it was getting jammed. I don't know how much of training they all had, but some people did not know IT. Similarly, at the county board, too, where um, I witnessed this big stack of ballots that came in with a note saying not in EPB slash S, which is not in le election poll book or system. I didn't even know that that can even happen, that you can actually have ballots that are not in the poll book or in the system and still be fed into the system. These people were manually entering it, and I have the table numbers where this was getting done, like the counting board numbers. And they didn't know. They were manually feeding it with a birth date of 1900-something. And uh, when, I was asked, when I asked the supervisor why they were manually being fed, they said they did not know. They're only doing their job. And if I have a problem, I, should, I could go talk to somebody up there. But the thing is, they didn't even know how to unlock the voter record when it gets jammed. Because I'm in IT and I can understand the code behind it, I had to literally help them. I'm like, you have to go do this and do that. And that's when they kind of knew. So I could clearly tell most of these people didn't have enough training, and they were just monotonously doing their job. Um, and whether it was intentional or not, again, I cannot witness to that. I can only tell what I was there for. And again, I just want to tell everybody here that when we became a poll challenger, our intent was not to get into fights with anybody. I'm an immigrant, and I, this country gave me 
a platform to be what I am today. I run a successful IT business. I'm one of the fastest 50 growing companies in America. And I really love this country. When I became a citizen of this country, it was a choice I made. I had to give up my Indian citizenship to become a US citizen. It's a choice we all make. It's, a, it's you know, that's a country we grew up in, but this is a country we chose to live. So we just have a lot of respect for this country. Putting ourselves out here, it's not fun. Trying to get our names out there, trying to just kind of intimidate us. You have to understand coming to a country where we have nobody um, and then start our life here, it takes a lot of courage. So we do have courage. And especially I, for me to do this, it's really scary. It was very scary because I am a very private person. I have no social media accounts. I just like to live a very private life. But I knew what, this, what was at stake um, from what I witnessed at TCF and my heart broke because I had a lot of respect. I still have a lot of respect for this country and I don't believe in racism um, as like the mainstream media narrative. This country has given me a lot and I'm very thankful for it. So today when I'm doing this, it's not because I'm trying to say who's good or who's bad. I'm just saying that this needs to be fixed. It needs to be fixed. Okay, amen to that. Credible, you tell me. Was that woman credible? If she's lying, she's going to jail. All right, now this woman, Hema, was paired with a man. I did not get his name, but he was indeed an eyewitness to what went on in Detroit on election night. Here's some of his story. So because I was a volunteer, I came in for my training around 9.30 p.m. at the TCF Center. 10 o'clock, we went down to the floor. Um, I was stationed by the center of the room. The center of the room, they have all the boxes lined up and then they have one table full of the duplicate ballots. As I'm sure you're all familiar with duplicate ballots. So they have a table for duplicate ballots. Throughout the entire night, um, many employees were conducting theft of duplicate ballots. So they would come up to the table of duplicate ballots, grab three or four duplicate ballots, run back to their table, give one to another person at another table, and never complete the duplicate process. They would stash the ballots under boxes, and I would have to stand there for about five minutes and just wait for a duplicate process, and they would just look at me, and it was never, ever completed. Um, so that happened that throughout the entire night. Then around um, 4.30 a.m., we had a, an announcement that a new shipment of ballots were arriving, and these boxes of ballots were brought in by Mr. Baxter himself at 4.30 a.m. from the rear of the room. Um, so I personally, I witnessed Mr. Baxter carrying boxes from the rear of the basement of the TCF Center into the, the, the tables. So each box, I approximate 600 ballots. Um, and it was like a full, what you have to know is that these tables, there's about seven tables. They were 10 foot tables each. Every table was full of boxes of ballots. It's not tens of thousands or 20,000s. I approximate 50,000 ballots were brought in. Now, were all of those ballots brought in from the rear entrance to the TCF Center? I don't know. They were brought in from the TCF Center, but they was, there was a lot more than just the ones that were brought in from the, T, the rear entrance to the TCF Center. And I'm talking, this is the 6 a.m. This is when we're starting at 6 a.m., the 4.35 a.m. It was a 50,000 ballots on the table, equal to the two rounds that we did before. We did a round around 10 p.m. to about 1, p, uh, 1 a.m. and then 1 a.m. to about 4 a.m., and then um, this, the, the boxes were brought in from the rear around 4.30. Then they had the shift change from around 5 to 6. So with this, the shift change, most of the, the volunteers were, were tired at this point. They only expected to be there from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. 
So 90, 90 plus percent of them left at 5 a.m. I decided to stick around. Um, so they had the shift change. At, a, at 6 a.m., Mr. Baxter and his uh, management team got back on the microphone and said, this is what the new, sh the new shift change, right, the new employees, says this is what democracy is, is supposed to look like. Right in front of everyone, the whole room cheered. So this is how you know it's a good sign of, of a violation that there's an imbalance of poll workers. This is the, this is the new shift. Even the, the first shift before that, I would say the same thing. But this shift, you can tell it's, the same, uh, again, another imbalance of poll workers um, because the whole room cheered. So based off my sampling of a dozen duplicate ballots from 6 a.m. to about 2 p.m. the next day because I was doing duplicates, um, from these duplicate ballots I observed, none of them were for Trump. None of them. And from the other two shifts or two rounds that we did earlier, only one ballot that I witnessed from a duplicate was for Trump. So I'm talking just a dozen off my sampling from that one shift of 6 a.m. to 2 p.m., none. And throughout the whole time, the whole night, I only saw one. Um, three other challengers around me told me the same thing from their sampling. So also, we challenged ballots all night. They were, every challenge was refused. They never carried it out. They never issued challenge ballots. There's no track, no remedy, no records. No, no recording of any challenge ballots the entire night. So we challenged. Um, poll workers changed duplicate ballots to straight Democrat ticket. So for example, you know, it would be like a mixed ticket, bubbles filled in everywhere. I personally, I witnessed employees taking their pen and filling in the Democrat straight ticket when it's not. And so you're gonna have other people testify that when it goes to adjudication that they see two different parties filled in and then nine times out of 10, you're also going to have testimony too that says that the employees were saying it should go to the Democrats. That's true. I, 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 because there's 200 tables, 150 tables, however many tables there are, five employees per table, and they all have pens. And I eyewitnessed them writing a ticket for the straight Democrat ticket. Um, so I also witnessed like duplicates of duplicate ballots, which was very strange to me. We were making a duplicate, we'll take it to back to the tabulator, and again, make another duplicate of the duplicate. I personally asked the employees, hey, why are we making, uh, first verify, is this a duplicate of a duplicate? They said yes. I said, why? This is the tabulator says, unknown reasons. So to say that those stories are interesting is the understatement of the year. And Rudy Giuliani continues to say he has hundreds of other affidavits from witnesses who talk about the irregularities on election night that they saw on that Tuesday evening slash Wednesday morning. And this is all over the country. We're, I mean, these people are from Michigan, but we're talking Nevada, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Wisconsin, Arizona. Funny, huh? All very important swing states. This is why President Trump is not giving up here, folks. This is why. And frankly, after listening to these stories, he shouldn't. No matter what your political affiliation, Democrat or Republican, those stories that we just heard of irregularities on election night throughout the country should scare the hell out of every one of us Americans. Every American. This is the kind of stuff that happens in third world countries. Banana republics, not here, not the U.S., but according to hundreds of eyewitnesses, fraud did occur. That's frightening to me. And again, this isn't Rudy Giuliani saying this. These are eyewitnesses. So I have a, a number of questions. Number one is, where are the great journalists of our time? 
we're the great journalists to ferret out this story. We're the journalists there to either disprove or prove what you just heard from those eyewitnesses there in Detroit. Where are they? And my second question is this. These stories of these poll workers and officials in Detroit, okay, and we've heard similar stories all over the country in Milwaukee and Atlanta and in Phoenix and Nevada. We've heard stories all over the country. They appear to be very similar. If I'm a journalist out there, I'm going, okay, I I don't care if I'm a Democrat or Republican, whatever. Was there a centralized plan here to affect this election? Was there a concerted effort to commit the fraud? And more importantly, where did the plan originate? In other words, who was pulling the strings here? Is there a paper trail or a money trail? These are the questions that journalists should be asking. But instead, okay, instead, they continue to label Giuliani as, as that weird great uncle character. And they continue to dance on Donald Trump's presidential grave. Total dereliction of duty here. Do your job. Do your, that's all we're asking. Do your job as journalists. And instead, we're just going to write about Giuliani hushing one of his witnesses on Wednesday night. Give me a break. This is unbelievable. I'm not saying that all of these stories are true. What I am saying is this. These witnesses are at the very least credible. These witnesses will go to jail if their stories are found untrue. These witnesses, by the way, are telling their stories despite reports of threats to them and their families from an out-of-control cancel culture on the left right now. It's ridiculous. What have we become in this country? I could have sworn that the Democrats were telling us uh, a number of months ago that whistleblowers were to be uplifted and looked at as heroes. Once again, hypocrisy. The whistleblower who led to President Trump's impeachment, who wasn't even in the room during a phone call to the Ukrainian president, is to be revered. But ordinary Americans, you just heard from, ordinary folks who say they witness voter fraud on election night and we get a collective meh from the media. Ordinary Americans who were in these collection rooms were firsthand eyewitnesses to wrongdoing, and now all of a sudden they're being attacked as wackos and drunks and partisan hacks. Unbelievable. Folks, stay tuned to this story, because I know I will. That's going to do it for the Inez Says Podcast. Have a great weekend. We will see you next week. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.